Welcome back to the Serial Killer Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Maddie Limerick, and today I have a sensational guest who I am so excited could be part of our Pokemon 25th anniversary crossover event from a certain point of view. She is the voice of many, many of your childhood heroes, villains, as well as monsters we all love. Erica Schroeder, welcome to the show. I am so happy to be here and so happy to be talking to you. It's been a long time. It has. So funny enough, you and I met doing musical theater uh, at the Finger Lakes Musical Theater Festival uh, of a show written by the now wildly popular uh, (laughs) composers of Come From Away, David and Irene. Uh, How have you been? I've been great. I've been, you know, really hunkering down with VO Mm -hmm. Um, since the kids came into being (laughs) because um, I really enjoy putting them to bed at night. And so theater was kind of set aside for a while and I was able to completely focus on voiceover. And then I get to read to them at night and practice all my narration skills. (laughs) Which is wonderful. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So you didn't start in voice acting. You started studying theater. Where did that kind of transition find you uh, between studying theater and uh, starting to do voice acting? That is a great question. Um, First, let me start by saying, like, as a child, I played with voices all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, that part of musical theater, my exploration of musical theater, part of my exploration of doing Shakespeare was always uh, physical and vocal. It was always Mm -hmm. about the exploration of both, you know, and my brother and I brushing our teeth in the morning and just making ridiculous faces (laughs) and uh, ridiculous uh, voices. So as a child, I knew you know, I had life goals by the time I was eight. I was that kind of person. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, one of them was Broadway and the other one was to be a voice of a cartoon. I did have a third one that I started to try to achieve. And then I was like, screw this. I think I don't think I can do that anymore. <laughs> and that was like, I wanted to be on SNL. But like, as I got older, I was like, I mm-hmm. wanted to be on Mad TV instead because I just got mm-hmm. really into that. Mm-hmm. And then I tried taking classes, um, I think after my daughter was born and I was like, oh, this is just like a whole nother thing. And while it's great to take class and I just don't think that that goal I can work into my life, you know, but as far as like how it came to be, I know you were wanting to know, like, when did I discover voiceover along my theater journey? Um, I auditioned for this show called Ultramantiga. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your listeners may remember it. Some of them may not. Um, it was a live action dub, actually. Ironically, the first voiceover gig I had was not animation. It was live action with four kids. And um, I auditioned. Like I said, I have this crazy vocal range and I love to transform. But they had me audition for the like ingenue character, mm-hmm. I would say. And to this day, this is, I'm, it's terrible that I'm admitting this, but it's kind of funny. I don't know if her name is Rena or Reina. Now, let me explain why. <laughs> uh, we did like six or seven episodes, and then mm-hmm. they changed the pronunciation of her name. Of course. And so I just don't remember which one came before the other one. It's, it's been so long. So maybe one of your listeners will be able to tell me. But anyway, um, I had an audition for her. And I booked the role, my first audition, I booked the lead. It was kind of amazing. I was so excited. And, but ironically, it was for my own voice, which I was shocked. I was like, oh, who wants to hear me? But they call it voice acting for a reason mm-hmm. because the acting comes first. The acting always comes first and the voice comes second, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's kind of how I, I got into it just, and then um, started booking other things with them. And then the web spread, lots of other studios, you know, heard about your, people hear about your work ethic mostly. Mm -hmm. Are you versatile? Do you show up on time? Do you cancel? And I know those sound like basic things, but guess what? Mm -hmm. You're not. You know that. You're in theater. I do. Absolutely. (laughs) There's some flaky (laughs) people out there. Nobody wants to work with them. Yes, there are. I've seen Flakes. 
Yeah, it's the one thing I always try to import to my students when when I am working with them. I'm like, it doesn't matter how talented you are. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, if you are reliable and you can follow through, I can help you grow. We can give yes. you a team to help you do well. But if you are not on time and if you are not a team player, no one's going to want to work with you. You are so right. And and, and you don't want to be a diva either. Like, Oh, no, we don't. Right? <laughs> no. Divas <laughs> do not get too far unless mm-hmm. they like become a diva after they become famous right. and then you know pe- people should stop working with them at that point like Kathleen yes. Battle what happened to her the opera singer yeah. oh yeah right? yeah but like some you know people want to spend time with someone who's really fun and warm mm-hmm. and enjoyable to be around and who doesn't take themselves that seriously takes their craft very seriously yes. but doesn't take themselves seriously well it's because I I imagine it's difficult because uh you know it's with Voice acting is so much different than theater because in theater, you know, it is you're in the room with everyone in the moment where voice acting, I imagine it's very alienating sometimes because it's you in a booth and someone on the other side of a wall uh, giving you direction. I can't imagine you often get to uh, uh, get to record with the other people in your series. So you got to be very serious and you have to be honed in on the craft because they can't waste time on someone kind of messing around and giving them a lot of bad takes, I envision. Yeah, that's a, a lot of great observations you made. What's cool is, um, yes, you're correct. There's not a lot of times now where you're in the booth together. Obviously not right now during right. Uh, coronavirus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not happening at all, to be clear. But there are still times where I'm doing group prelay from home mm-hmm. and they're connecting us through Source Connect or Session Link Pro or um, Connection Open, um, any of the different platforms that you can work on. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a ton of group prelay also because people have crazy schedules. Um mm-hmm. It's hard to book people at the same time. And also you would only do group prelay, just so you know, just an education for your listeners. If it's a prelay project, meaning if you're doing that project for the first time in the original mm-hmm. language, because if it's a dub, you're never going to be in the room no. with another yeah. person. That would be a complete waste of time because uh, the focus is on the time and filling in, you know, an, a, the performance that is already laid mm-hmm. down for you. But um, one other thing I thought I'd um, share with you guys you were saying you're not in the room with them. That's true. There is a divider, right, between mm-hmm. you and there's a control room and the booth is how you would refer to them as. And there's always a window. So you can mm-hmm. they can see your body movements. You can see mm-hmm. their facial expressions. Sometimes they're not in a part of the room where you can see their face, and that right. kind of sucks. But um, when I'm directing or when I'm coaching or when I'm teaching, I specifically don't want to see you. Mm-hmm. Um. And I have reasons for that. We'll get into later, but yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. So before we launch into what I know everybody's kinds of jonesing as to, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of people know who you are, like, uh, just because I think it's hard to even look at one bit of your CV and not go, oh my God, I know that, I know that, I know that. What was it like in kind of in that first dub role that you had to do of having to dub a live action because I imagine you're having to match like lip flaps and, and those kinds of things. What was that like for your very first gig having to match a real person versus an animated person? Okay. That's an amazing question. I'm going to answer it in two ways. Yeah. Um, First, I'm going to answer what that experience was like. And then I'm going to answer what other live action dubs can be like, because they're, they're kind of different. So this was, um, for the particular style of this, I think they were towing the line between realism Mm -hmm. and parody. They towed the line. At the time, I thought, oh, can't they go a little further in the parody direction? Um, That was my thought, my mentality in my head. Mm -hmm. But um, I got asked to do a cameo like a year ago, some super fan uh, that I didn't even know existed of this series. I was like, there are people who are series are fans of this series. I had no idea. And he was super sweet. And he was like, you know, asked me for a specific thing about the show. And I, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to research my character so that I can do a cameo. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, I want to do a good job for this Mm -hmm. guy. Like, uh, so I found the episodes and I started watching them and I was like, Oh my God, this is funny. 
like so much funnier than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was so well done, you know? So my perspective then was that we weren't going far enough, but I think we were, I think, mm-hmm. I think we were going far enough. And, um, but anyway, because we were trying to match the, the flap as, as close to, you know, as, as close as we could, but we were also allowed a little bit of camp, you know? Mm-hmm. So we could have a little bit of, it not being perfect. Now, if you work on a, an on-camera um, dub nowadays, and I've done lots of them, um, it's beautiful. It's such a different art form. I can't even explain because you do have to match all the mouth shapes. And also there's tons of subtleties. Mm-hmm. What you don't realize when you're voicing a film is if I'm voicing animation, um, I can be broad. I can do broad strokes. There's tons of specificity within that broadness. That's mm-hmm. what makes it, you know, the acting. That's what makes it work. But in the film, I'm just going to get real close to my microphone here. They're going to um, be miking you with three different microphones. They have one on your chest, you know, mm-hmm. like a lavalier. I think that's what that's called, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt, mm-hmm. help me out. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I should know that. And then the regular microphone, and mm-hmm. then they have like a boom mic, you know, the furry mm-hmm. one that comes from above. Now they're trying to replicate the way that actors are recorded in the movies. Oh, interesting. Yes, it's amazing. So like, it's so different. And also, um, so I might be doing a scene where I'm playing the the main character's wife, and it's a, um, we're being, we're hiding from a killer and mm-hmm. I'm in the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying not to let him hear me breathing or something. So this is all you're going to hear on the mic. Mm-hmm. Right? It's super mm-hmm. subtle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes where my character just like inhales and exhales through their nose like this. As they're tapping, you mm-hmm. know, the pen mm-hmm. at the desk. So anyway, you can't overdo it. You've got to just be. It's very different. It's very different. And um, it's you have to be equally skilled, if not more skilled, in certain ways to to pull that off in um in a dub that's going to get good reviews, you know. Mm-hmm. Um you have to have that that really that nuance and that subtlety that you should be able to have for every project, but that not maybe not every actor does have. Mm-hmm. So not everybody's going to translate to both mediums. But right. I love switching back and forth. Like I really enjoy both. I love that. That's so fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I imagine it's a again, like you said, it's just a different set of skills that must be really fun to be able to flex and do. Um, but yeah, you are also no, you're no stranger to what I would call these kind of epic franchises. I mean, <laughs> One Piece, Sonic the Hedgehog, even, uh, you know, uh, uh, oh God, uh, Magical Do-Re-Mi, Tokyo Mew Mew, these things have like huge fan followings. Do you, <laughs> how much um, research when you're going into a new project do you do on kind of the history of the franchise or kind of the worldwide impact of the franchise before you go into the room? Ooh, I love your questions. Thanks. They're so good. Um, I'm going to answer honestly, okay? Yeah. At the beginning of my career, not a lot. By the way, can you hear my heater? When I'm <laughs> no. working in my studio, I turn the heat off. First of all, because it's so warm in here. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm working with padded walls, basically. But also because you don't want to hear that. Um, anyway, remind me what we were talking about. I just did a terrible <laughs> tangent about my theater. No, you're good. The franchises. The, yeah, so doing researching okay. the franchises before okay. going into the room recording. Um, in some instances, it is really great to know all of that. In some instances, it can hinder you. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, I really didn't research those things at all. Mm-hmm. They came up very fast and furious. Um <laughs> And oftentimes, you know, the internet was big, right? But not as big Mm -hmm. as it is now. It wasn't something that you had to do. You didn't have to use that Mm -hmm. as a resource, right? Um, I was more about my instincts and I was less concerned with fitting into a mold Mm -hmm. and rather concerned with what are my instincts as an actor and what do I have to bring to the table? Mm -hmm. But also, 
funny question that you asked that, a lot of the first auditions that I had were voice matches. So I was in the studio. Mm. They showed me or played for me the original. And literally what I do, what I do when I'm voice matching is I, I um, copycat, I mimic as I'm hearing it, mm-hmm. you know, um, until I get the tone just right. Even if it's like in Russian, let's just mm-hmm. say I'm doing a, a dub and it's in Russian and the woman's going, you know, whatever. So I just do gibberish that sounds, mm-hmm. and then I take that voice and, and I make it into the, um, and then I take it without the accent and then I mm-hmm. have the voice. Um, so anyway, a lot of it was tiny window into what it was. Mm-hmm. Now you just have to, I was of a different generation than those that were listening. So right. I wasn't a fan of the series. I was a fan of acting, a fan mm-hmm. of technique. So in, in certain ways, it was like very freeing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then other ways, it was very specific because you're being this, you're trying to voice match this specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't do very much at all during the beginning. Now, if I get something, you know, there there's a quick turnaround, but mm-hmm. I try my best to, get on the YouTube, <laughs> you know, see what's the style of the show is. If I don't mm-hmm. know it, at least just watch a scene, you know, understand um, the style. Um, is it broad? Is it smaller? Is it what I call close to home? Mm-hmm. Is it uh, high energy characterization? You know, you try and understand it. And some shows have everything in it, like everything yes. I just described. So it's like, you can't necessarily define it. Then you have to look at that individual character and be like, where does this character fit in? Mm-hmm. And you are a detective. You have to make those decisions based on the observations and the research that you do. So, so to answer your question um, in one sentence, in the past, I didn't do a lot of it. There, it wasn't mm-hmm. super necessary. Mm-hmm. Today, I do a lot more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so also when you're booking something that is an existing franchise, when you show up for, uh, you know, a gig or when you get the scripts in advance, how much of that info does the studio actually give you or the director give you? Ooh, very good question. If it's a dub, Mm -hmm. okay, you do not get the script in advance. Okay. You see it for the first time as you're performing it. So you are really reliant upon the director Uh leading you from beat to beat. What has just happened? And if you just happen to have a director that doesn't do that, which trust me, that happens from time to time, Mm -hmm. um, you need to read the line before. If you don't understand the context, um, you need to ask. You need Mm -hmm. to be in charge of yourself. Um, Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, can, what did this character mean? Or what just happened? Mm -hmm. Um, Get a little explanation. Okay, gotcha. Now I know. And but what's great with ADR is you can see it, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're not always going to show you the beat before. In fact, most of of the time they do not. They'll let you preview it um, and then record it uh, so you can kind of see what the character is doing, uh, the the mood, the projection level, all those things, kind of gauge them real quick and and then do it. But it is ultimately the director's job to guide all the performances to be in the same piece, right? Mm-hmm. And to guide us from moment to moment as to what's happening in the internal journey of the of the character. And then you are also in charge of yourself if the director doesn't take care of you in the way in which they should. Mm-hmm. And that's where your skills really come in handy. You know, your acting skills and your your acting degree and your background. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's amazing. Um, So before I jump into to the franchise at hand, uh, outside of Pokemon, is there a few roles that you just absolutely have loved that you've gotten to do, whether it was a challenge, whether it was the character themselves? Uh, What are just a couple of your favorites that you've gotten to do so far? Okay, I love this question because it's, am I always going to answer differently? Like, I'll never answer the same. <laughs> <laughs> Just like whatever pops into my head, there's different aspects of every character that I love, mm-hmm. like absolutely love. Um, I'm voicing, oh, no, I can't. Well, you said don't uh, don't talk about Pokemon yet. Okay, I was going to talk about Pokemon. Um, 
I loved voicing Emma Frost in Astonishing <gasps> X-Men. Oh, I'm so glad you brought her up. <laughs> oh, I know. That's right. You love, I forgot that. Oh, that's she's funny. one of my favorites. That's actually, uh, yeah, because when, so just fell everybody, and when, when I met Erica, my boyfriend at the time was a huge, he wanted to become a voice actor. And so uh, he knew your background. And I, outside of Pokemon, which I hadn't made the connection, knew you from the Astonishing X-Men, which Emma Frost is I one of my absolute that. favorites. Absolutely. Loved that part. Loved mm-hmm. that being directed by Dan Green. Um, oh my God, he's such a good director, you guys. It's like ridiculous. I mean, seriously, the guy knows what he's doing. Anyway, he he was phenomenal to work with. Um, and that was my first time working with him under his direction. And I was like, oh no, maybe it wasn't. What am I talking about? I'd worked with him before. He used to be a director at NYAV, so I worked with him okay, there. Yeah. But anyway, this was my first, the first project where it was just him in charge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the subtleties and the nuances that he got out of me were just awesome. And I really didn't have to go that far away from myself vocally, mm-hmm. um, which usually I don't love to do. I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest, guys. Um, I love everything. I love I really do. But what do I get really excited about when I transform, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not as duplicitous as Emma Frost. I'm not as like, she's got some darker layers that I don't Yes, have. she does. Yes, she does. So to sort of explore that within the realm of my own voice was really exciting. Uh, I just loved every second so that was a really exciting moment for me um there was a character I love these like one-off characters that Mm -hmm. like maybe show up in one or two episodes that are just totally nuts oh I'm trying to remember if it was in I think it was magical do re mi I don't even Mm -hmm. know if anybody's ever even heard remembers that one but um Dory's maid no yes um, I don't even remember her name, but she had lines coming out of her mouth every time she talked. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she was like real crotchety looking. So I was like, I, we were trying to determine like, why, why does she have lines coming out of her mouth? And I was like, I think she's hard of hearing. Like, I think she's just slightly hard of hearing. So we kind of went with that a little bit. Right. And also she's just, um, demanding and stuff like that. I don't remember everything, but I kind of was inspired by Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> oh, she was yeah. Rayanne's maid. What am I saying? I'm saying a completely different character, but um and I kind of like you know how his his voice kind of breaks mm-hmm. and things like that. Thankfully, um the director was like totally up for it with me and we just mm-hmm. had the most ridiculous time voicing this character. If I ever could find this performance, I know I would laugh. Anyway, um, I just enjoyed being really ridiculous and fun with that character. So tons of characters I love, but those are just like mm-hmm. two little things. I love that. So we're going to jump into Pokemon. Uh, you are credited with being in over 411 episodes. Now, thank you, IMDb, for that fact. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there have been more because of little pickups, little things. Yeah, um, I forget half the stuff on there. But And you also have a list so wide and varied of all the characters you've played between different series and video games and everything that I literally cannot find a comprehensive list on the entire internet, which is saying something of all of the roles you've played. Um, but I know you didn't join Pokemon in the beginning. How did you find your way to the series? And did you know the kind of monolith that it was so early on in its uh, time in the U.S.? That's two amazing questions. So this will kind of go back to the whole voice matching mm-hmm. thing. So, um, well, that's not true. Okay. I played, and I forget his name. I have forgotten his name. Maybe Stevie was his name. I don't know. I played a bully on an episode in season five or six. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I loved playing this character. He was just, I think it was just one episode, um, but he was featured quite a bit and he was just such a jerk. And then I had done Lyserg and Shaman King and they were really enjoying my work. 
Um, the director was enjoying my work. The producers were enjoying my work. And they kind of like told other producers about me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we should bring her in to, to try to match Megan, um, Megan Hollingshead in, um, as Nurse Joy because she was moving. See, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know she was moving. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. It's because I auditioned for My Valentine maybe the same week. Mm-hmm. But I again... I don't even know if I knew they were the same voice actress. I don't remember that. Megan and I have recently gotten to know each other and we are having a blast. <laughs> Freaking love her. Oh my God. She's one of the coolest people I've ever met. And I'm like, how is it that we're getting to know each other now? Anyway, right. better late than never, I say. But so I had to go in and voice match her as an audition. And I just, I guess I happen to be the closest essence match mm-hmm. and maybe the closest voice match. Um, so I took over from Megan and that's kind of how it really started. I mean, the little guest character was my first foray into it. Mm-hmm. But then um, that was my first recurring role in the series. Um, and you had the second question, and I don't remember what it was. It was a Did you know, I always like to ask our guests when they're going into kind of uh, giant franchises, because Pokemon seemed to blow up overnight in the U.S. And then the anime started very quickly after the games and the cards. Did you, just because you were outside of the demographic, which happens often with the yes, actors that come in. Correct. Did you, um, did you know how big this project was and how big this, this franchise was when you were going in for the roles? I'm going to be honest. N- no, I knew that they were like, I obviously had heard of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I had never seen an episode um, I was, again, it was like, I was coming to it as an actor mm-hmm. and just like loving to explore the character of anything. I am a total nerd for technique. That mm-hmm. is just where everything stems from. But, you know, I think I did have, I did have some knowledge that it was a big thing. I mean, I believe there were things in stores and stuff like that. Oh, yes. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! wasn't, I think that was season four that I came in on. Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of wasn't, I think, as much aware of that one. Um, but no, I, I I would say it was somewhere in the middle of understanding the the scope of the mm-hmm. audience of those shows, if that makes any sense. Well, and honestly, that happened as well. We had several of the Power Ranger actresses on uh, the I know the show. so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Catherine, Catherine Sutherland and Nikki yes, we, we have on there. Wonderful. Um, but they also said, you know, Nikia said she was like, I was a student at, at, at UCLA. She was like, I didn't know. I didn't know what this thing was. She was like, I was just going out for auditions. And so, you know, I, I kind of Love typically it. don't uh, assume. Um, but let's talk technique because I imagine this is something really interesting because you do human characters, but you also do a ton of the Pokemon. How is that for you as an actress going in and working with a director? Because um, I imagine, uh, you know, because a lot of the, the Pokemon have very interesting personalities. And in the show, sometimes we meet ones that are one-off versions of these characters. So they have a very specific personality quirk. What is the main difference when you're going in and working with a director, when you're laying down something like um, Nurse Joy or or Marco from the last movie, um, or when you're doing like Sylveon or Wabafet, what are those big differences for you when you actually have words versus when you're saying their name or one or two kind of nonverbal things that a Pokemon will do? That is such a good question. I hope I can answer this articulately and well because it's layered, right? Mm-hmm. The, I'll tell you the similarities first and then I'll tell you the differences. The similarities are that I'm still playing an action. Mm-hmm. I'm still know what I want in the scene. I still know what my emotional life is in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things are very much the same. Um, the differences are that the human characters are scripted and the Pokemon are not at all scripted. So um, basically it, it will tell you how the Pokemon is feeling or coming across. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the director and myself often will come up with substitution language. If the director doesn't give me substitution language, um, I'll give myself substitution language in my head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the action, if the, the character looks like um, is cuddly or cuddling or, or you know, let's just say that's what it says or whatever. I'm going to play the action of showing love. I love you. Mm -hmm. 
my words are going to be, I love you so much, you know, so I use word substitution and I can't do the voices of the Pokemon, but I can do, we can make one up right now and we can Mm -hmm. fake it. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Let's pick three syllables. Uh, Just throw out a syllable. Uh, Ra. Let's just go with Ra. Okay, Ra. Uh, Another one. They don't have to go in order, so just anything. Uh, uh, me, and then we'll, uh, uh, let's see, Pew. <laughs> Pew, yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay, if we did those in order, it would be Rami Pew, mm-hmm. but we could do Pew Mira. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. Or Me Pura. Which one do you want? Uh, let's do Me Pura because there's some interesting ways to like Ooh. hit certain syllables there. Me Pura. Okay, so now we're gonna give it. Um, the depending on the type it is, it doesn't mm-hmm. really make that much difference. But when right. I've done this as a game in like conventions, I usually give it a type. But let's mm-hmm. so let's skip the type, but give me um an animal inspiration. It has raw in it. Me pure. Uh, Typically the name will have something to do, something with, it to do always, with it. And sometimes you have to like make it work. Like, okay. What if we do a large horse a horse type that might uh have something toxic about it because of okay. pew Ooh, something a little fun there fun. yeah <laughs> i love this okay so if a horse is like um if you're auditioning for this character mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you're not going to get it advanced you're going to only see it like right as you're auditioning um if it were in studio okay and so you just want to start with a couple of horse sounds to get that in your your wheelhouse, you know? So <laughs> you just start playing around. So mm-hmm. you want to do some horse sounds with that? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then I think, okay, how can I incorporate those sounds with those syllables? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to audition like that. And then if they like it, they'll cast me. And then I got to figure out how to do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I can choose the syllables that I use at any time, but it has to be Perfect. one of those three. Perfect. It has to be. Now, different directors through the years have had, I've like worked with all of them and they all have a slightly different style. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to say who has what, but. Right. Some of them are really about the articulation of the of the consonants and the vowels. And some of them are about like, I kind of want it like tucked under. Mm-hmm. And almost to, the more you articulate, the more human you sound. So I'll do whatever is asked of me because that's mm-hmm. my job. Mm-hmm. My job is to please the director first and foremost because they know what that I'm just a tiny piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I tell my students, you got to check your ego at the door. Check it. Mm, all right. First mm-hmm. of all, come in with ideas. But if they don't like the idea, you got to throw it out and give them the mm-hmm. idea number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't like idea number two. You got to have idea number three. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it comes from you. And sometimes it comes from them, from their uh, director language or the actor language that they throw at you. So Mipura sounds a little bit like Scooby-Doo, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So Mipura, if Mipura is um, eating, mm-hmm. you know, if Mipura mm-hmm. is like cuddling and telling another Pokemon that they love them, or I see them cuddling on the screen, I might be like, Mipura. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or I could go, you know, mm-hmm. now, this is the crazy part. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're matching the syllables and sometimes you're not. Right. There might be internal beats that the director wants you to hit that aren't there on the screen for this for the sense of the motion of the character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're matching exactly what's there. Um, so the rules are, they're wavy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of awesome because there's a lot of give and take, you know? Um, but in general, when you're dubbing, you're going to want to hit the mark of the flap. Mm-hmm. Um, but occasionally with a Pokemon, you have, sometimes you have the license to do less or do more. Um, mm-hmm. And it depends on the beat. You know, um, in in Japan, it's uh, much looser. Mm-hmm. We tend to be a lot more tight with it and with our decisions. 
But again, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's a direct voice match from the original they're looking for. <laughs> sometimes it's an essence match. And sometimes, occasionally, it's a, what do you want to try? Mm. You know, when That's I did, um, yeah, when I did Levani, mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget this. It was with Tom Wayland when he was directing, and he was like, This Pokemon is so unusual. Mm -hmm. Um, I really want to try something a little bit eerie, a little bit other otherworldly. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh my god, I have this thing that I've been doing for years. This is the same thing with Tapu Koko. Both of them have like a different origin story, but mm -hmm. there were things that I could do with my voice that were odd and strange. And I thought, will I ever use this? I don't know, mm -hmm. but I love to play. So this was an instance where I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try this. So Tom just happened to love it. Uh, like he, I, I remember even our last record of the character, he was sad. He like told me, oh. I'm really going to miss this character. I'm like, me too. Like it was a really sweet moment because mm -hmm. he just like, he just, I don't know, for some reason he really loved that, that Pokemon and he really enjoyed directing me as that Pokemon. But um, it has like a yodel, like a break in the voice mm. on, the, on the middle syllable on va. Again, I can't really do it for you, but right, right. if you listen to it, you'll, you'll hear it. Mm -hmm. You'll be like, that's weird. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like when he, the director gave me the chance to play, which I think is beautiful. I think you should, if you have the time, let the actor play, you know, mm -hmm. let them play. Well, and it's fun. This world is so large and expansive. I mean, you know, because even at this point, we've got all over a thousand Pokemon. So you've got ghost uh, sand castles and, you know, floating flowers and all these sorts of things that are just so whimsical and fun, but like uh, slightly dangerous. And, you know, there are just so many fun things about this world. So it would be disappointing if they didn't let you play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lisa lets me play all the time. I and mean, we, we, it's part of the job. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be a playful person. Mm -hmm. um, you have to enjoy it and you have to have fun. And she always has amazing ideas. When we were creating the Oricorios, because there were three of them, mm -hmm. Lisa was like, I would say that was my bonding moment with Lisa. We have a ton, obviously. Also, we go back, I mean, as being both being voice actors coming up around mm -hmm. the same time. Um, it took us a while to actually like be more than people that pass each other in the hall. But mm -hmm. like, there was a point where we were like, Oh my God, you're awesome. I love you. You know what I mean? Um, but she really particularly enjoyed creating um, Tapu Koko, I would say with me and Oracorio. Mm -hmm. Like those were the Pokemon that she and I like, and, and Sobble. I mean, there's tons of them, but those, I'd say those mm -hmm. three, we just like went really, she loves to sing. And I mm -hmm. love to sing. Mm -hmm. So when we were creating Oracorios, she was super psyched. Like, she was like, yes, like, let's have fun. And like, mm -hmm. I wanted to be, her ideas were so specific, right? Mm -hmm. But she would say, I want it to be like this, like Hawaiian luau or something or that. Mm -hmm. But you, I want you to play around with the melody. I want you to like, so we just had a fantastic time, you know, playing with that one together. And, um, it's serious work, but you got to enjoy it, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people maybe do realize or don't realize that, you know, I fill in each cue one at a time, very specifically. It's not like just random. Like I mm -hmm. know exactly what my Pokemon wants and what my Pokemon is saying. Um, and that's what just makes it so real. And there's like some acting exercises with substitute institution words and mm -hmm. I know gibberish. I'm mm -hmm. sure you've done some of that. Those kinds of exercises help so much for a job like this. And then the other skill is just being able to like, you know, uh, you can't say impersonate because they're animals, but right. I don't know what word you'd use, but like I imitate animals, you know, make animal sounds. And mm -hmm. I've probably done the most Pokemon as birds. I'm kind of known as the bird Pokemon girl, <laughs> which is ironic because I cannot whistle, but I can make every other. It's the, I literally was asked in the last three weeks to whistle on two different shows. Oh my God. My character had to whistle. And I was like, I think I might need a whistle stunt double. <laughs> I have a stunt double for um, Tyler Bunch is like my unofficial burping stunt double because i just won't burp uh -huh. like, i just 
I just don't like it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one expects me to anyway, and I know right. they're going to probably use a sound effect, but sometimes, like, Tyler will do it for me. That's <laughs> so like, funny. But um, anyway, yeah, I can't whistle. I can't whistle to save my life. It's really the weirdest thing because I, my voice can do so many things, but that's just one thing I really suck at. <laughs> Listen, we can't have it all, Erica. Listen, <laughs> you, you can't day. do it all. One, one day. day. <laughs> I also imagine that having a dance background also helped with the idea of breath and breath control with Oricoco because dancers breathe and yes. are connected with their sound and breath in such mm -hmm. a different way that I'm sure that was also very helpful because you're also credited on, because you play, Mel, uh, oh God, I'm going to butcher, Meliota. Um, Meloetta. Meloetta, thank you. I'm a terrible <laughs> fan. Um, I'm, that fan. I'm that fan that I've played every genre, but I can't remember. I can't remember three quarters of the names, but you're actually credited as her singing voice because she is a musical Pokemon. Um, what was that like for you when you would have to... Um, I, I don't know if it was any different. Or... All of her songs in mm -hmm. one day. Um, oh. And we didn't have any sheet music. Um, oh. It was really cool. It was it's quite an exploration because if you hear it in the original language, they really wanted it to sound as much like the Japanese as possible so mm -hmm. that we could like seamlessly flow into the music, right? Mm -hmm. um, when you're listening, the original voice actress was making vowel sounds that we kind of don't have. Mm, in my opinion, okay. they were mm -hmm. in between sounds. Like they were in between an I and an eh. Mm -hmm. So it was like, which is it? Is it this or is it that? So I was like, stop obsessing over which is it and just do what you hear. <laughs> yeah. Just do what you hear. So that's what I did. I was like, let me find this in between sound and um, listen for the melody and um, try and capture the essence of the innocence of it, the purity of it, the air on it. And for me, what I had to do, and you'll find this interesting and actors have to do this, you know, I'm a Broadway singer. I know mm -hmm. how to sing. I know how to sing on voice. I know how to do all kinds of things. But I wasn't being asked to sing like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wasn't being asked to be like, la, 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 you know, something like that, la, 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 you know, I wasn't, or even la, 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 or I'm just making fun of archetypes. Yeah, you're good. You're like, I get you, I get you. I was asked to be the essence of the original, which was just this ethereal, whispered kind of lovely thing, but not vibrato. Mm -hmm. Like, dial it back. Don't give the too much vibrato, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so sometimes you have to sing like you have less skill than mm -hmm. you have, mm -hmm. and that is an mm -hmm. that's the actor controlling the singer rather than the singer controlling the actor. Mm. And it's asked of you quite a bit in the in the industry. Yeah. I play cartoons that break into song. I can't be like this amazing yes. Broadway singer all of a sudden. Right. When Luffy, when Luffy sang the national anthem, that was probably one of the most fun sessions of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a whole nother story, but yes. I really enjoyed that, I have to say. So I also noticed that they have, so you've, you've stated that um, every, they don't just pull every time they need a, a P-dub. They don't just pull yeah. it out of a, a database. Yeah. You come in and you record all those lines. When they had you, when they had you come in and do Smash Brothers, did they have you do the same thing or did they pull that from an archive? I believe those were pulled. If okay. I recall that, yeah. Because I saw you were credited for those, and I was like, oh, I didn't even think about those, especially in the new games where they introduced yeah, so many of the I Pokemon. I'm, I'm pretty sure those were pulled, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I love that. So if you had to pick a couple of your, your favorites from Pokemon that you've gotten to voice or were just a really special experience for you, what would some of those be? Okay, well, Lee Vanny, right? Mm -hmm. um, or Corio. Um uh, Sobble, I love. I love Sobble. Sobble's so, so if sweet. you heard these like crying sequences at full volume, which is the way I did them, uh -huh. you would die. 
because I was like, how are they going to put this in here? I mean, the, the, but the mixer comes in and they mm-hmm. make it so that whatever the focus is, is the focus, right? right? But we recorded, he was so loud. I should say it. It was so loud um, and so cute and fun and layered. And you don't get to hear all of the really fun things that we did. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoy that character. It's just so sweet. Um Evie, obviously. Evie and Sandy. Sandy in particular. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that character was fun. And actually, Lisa loved that character too. We we loved the beach scenes, like Mm -hmm. every time Sandy was being playful with other Pokemon, because there was like qualities of Evie of Sandy that were like a dog, like Mm -hmm. just wanting to rock like play with people and just like, come on, come on, play with me, play with me. Mm -hmm. And I just like loved every minute of voicing Sandy, every minute. Um, what are some others? I don't know. Do you have any? I've got a, your Wabafat. Wab- be someone that I played, but. Well, uh, the Wabafat, I have like just, it just, I love Wabafat so much. Um, and I had no clue until I was doing my research today that you were Wabafat, which well, I just. I have an interesting story with that. You, le- you want to oh, hear it. God, of course I want to hear the story. Come on now. So. KZ Rogers was the original Wabafet. Yes. And KZ, I love her. We're like, I don't know, soul sisters. I can't explain it. Um, don't know each other that well, but just a special connection we have. And so she was thrilled that I was, you know, take, taking over for that mm-hmm. part. Um, anyway, so I had to be her characterization of Wabafet, which was harder on my voice than my mm-hmm. characterization of Lava Fett. And we sort of found a middle ground somewhere between hers and mine as it just kind of settled in and became, as voices do, they sometimes they sometimes change. Like most mm-hmm. of mine are pretty consistent from the very beginning, but like Akiza had an arc. Um, Lava Fett ha- had an arc. I, I'm sure there are other characters that had like a settling in point or an mm-hmm. arc that like a change um like i know homer simpson and the simpsons dan um dan's performance was like completely different in the second mm-hmm. season as the oh, first oh yes oh yes right and yes, so yes, that, yes. that can happen with with um with any show but anyway um yeah i love obviously voicing that character it's a riot and somebody made me a handmade one oh that i keep in my studio and it's like um has like really heavy sand on it uh-huh. sometimes i'll find my daughter like with the wabafet on her head just randomly <laughs> <laughs> she says i like the way it feels she just likes it it soothes her to have the, the thing on top of her head but um that. yeah fans are amazing they're so sweet pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh fans god they're nice people so what was that like when you started going to conventions? Because I always like to ask that question of what was it like on your first couple times doing panels and getting to interact with the fans in a way that uh, I don't know if maybe you were prepared for? Oh, that's a an, uh, great, another great question. And there's like two different answers to this. Like the panel experience was very different than the getting to meet the fans experience. Getting to meet the fans experience, you got like butterflies and you're like mm-hmm. excited, but you're like do people really want to meet me? Like there's this feeling of like, I'm just happy to be here. This is going to be special. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then you start meeting people and you're just overwhelmed by the gratitude that they have Mm -hmm. for the work that you've done. And, you know, occasionally you just want to cry because you're like, wow, I've like some people's stories are just that they're just you know, happy to be there, happy to meet you. Mm-hmm. And some people tell you stories like, I felt the connection to this character and it changed my life or the way mm-hmm. I think about things. Um, there's so many incredible stories that I've been told over the years about um way that either my performance hit someone or the story arc of the character hit someone. And those are really incredible things to discover and to hear. And I never, ever, ever get tired of hearing it. I Every time it feels just beautiful and fresh and new. And then let me tell you about the panels. Okay. <laughs> well, my first couple of panels, I was, if anybody knew how nervous I was, they would not believe me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have become much better at being myself in front of large groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, can be the life of the party, you know, because there's lots of people walking around. We're all having fun. I'm very comfortable kind of blending in with a crowd. Um, I'm very comfortable being on stage by myself as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very comfortable as a character. Okay. Yeah. I'm comfortable with one-on-ones. Like right now, this feeling of, of just talking to you instead of having the feeling of talking to everyone who's listening, mm-hmm. I'm so comfortable with this. But if you and I were talking together and there was a thousand people in the audience, my first couple of conventions and panel experiences, I was just like really nervous. I was, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what kind of questions they would ask me. I didn't know if I could answer them. Um, I didn't want to feel like I had to be on mm-hmm. or that I had to entertain. I just wanted to be genuine and just like listen and just be real, respond. Um, and I think I've gotten really, really good at that. And also I just want to enjoy myself. Um, so now I love it. I absolutely love it. But at the beginning, I had a lot of um, I had a lot of nerves. I just wasn't super comfortable without hiding behind a character yeah. to be in a group of people as a speaker. And that skill has grown and grown and grown as I've gotten yeah. older and gotten more comfortable with myself. Um, I like being me. I don't need to step into a character to connect to people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also teaching was like a huge thing that like that just really grounded me in so many ways um, to feel more comfortable as myself. So I mean, again, really intuitive and interesting question. <laughs> I love that. So uh, as you said, you're now a voice coach for for a younger voice actors and you direct as well. What made you want to make that transition to kind of help that next generation? Uh, because we've seen a boom of people realizing, oh, this is a career I can have. This is something I can do for real in a way that they hadn't. What made you kind of want to make that jump? Well, Here's interesting. I will call it call it an addition rather than necessarily a jump, but I I understand what you're saying. Like how did yeah, I, yeah, 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 from, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of different reasons. I've ta- I taught at a very young age. I taught um, Shakespeare when I was in high school. I taught Shakespeare to fourth and fifth graders. I choreographed the opera of the elementary school I went to. Like they asked me to come back. <laughs> like I had a lot of experiences as a young performer um, working with children. And I loved it, you know? And then when I was thinking about working with adults, I was like, how's this going to be different? It's Mm -hmm. not that different, you know? Um, Teaching is teaching, teaching well is teaching well. Um, I am super passionate, as you can tell when you're talking to me Mm -hmm. about acting, about technique. Mm -hmm. I love it. I could do it all day long. I just, um, and I love also helping people. I love really enjoy helping someone grow, Mm -hmm. helping someone understand how to apply the the things that they're learning. Um, And I love to watch careers blossom. You know, it's like very fulfilling. Um, But it started specifically with my son's cartoon schedule. I've Mm -hmm. never told this story before. Um, my son liked to watch cartoons from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the morning. Okay. Like that's when he would get up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to be away from my son. I don't, my, my daughter had just gone to mm-hmm. school the year before. I don't want to be away from him if I don't have to be. You mm-hmm. know, I want to consolidate my records to a couple days and just like, I'm not going to, sh- you know, hey, here, you, you teach him. You take mm-hmm. care of him. I wanted to be the person that, grew up with him that he grew up with uh, and not have it be someone else. And that was a big sacrifice money-wise. It hurt. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to pretend it didn't Mm -hmm. hurt, but I do not regret it because the benefits of it were just like so much more. So anyway, um, I just, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Like fate just sort of came out and grabbed me. I had three people in one week ask me if I could teach them. And I was like, I don't know. Can I, you know, like, (laughs) 
I really was like, oh, this is weird. You're the third person that like mm-hmm. either through a relative or through someone else. It was just like, you. I want you to. So I just was like, okay, the universe is telling me that you need to do this. And well, my son watches cartoons at 8 a.m. Yeah, I'll teach you at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want to work at 8 a.m.? And they were all like, ah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we worked at 8 a.m. And um, I was in the very next room. I, you know, you know, he's like just this little guy. I'm like, okay, mommy's going to be right here on the other side of the wall. You need me, come on over. But he never came in and interrupted me or anything Mm -hmm. because he loved his cartoons, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like kind of adorable. Uh, I'm teaching cartoons and he's watching cartoons. So it was like our cartoon hour and that's how it started. I love that. I love that. So I know we've got a couple of things that you want to pitch. I'm excited for everybody to hear about, but I just want to hear what has it been like? Because for everyone this year has been unusual, but I know a lot of voice actors, it has evolved in the last couple of years where you all are able to work remotely. You don't always have to go to a central studio necessarily to do the work. What has it been like to work and still be a voice actor while we have to work from home? What has that been like this year? Oh, so many mixed things with that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the joy of it is that I still get to connect with my directors mm-hmm. every day. Um, I don't feel disconnected from the community because we can talk to her, uh, talk to each other, just like you and I are talking mm-hmm. right now. By the way, I'm sitting in my standing studio. My studio is a standing only studio, mm-hmm. um, but I just rigged it today so that I could talk to you while I'm sitting down. But um, at the beginning, the transition was um, very stressful. I'm not going to lie because suddenly I've got to be in charge of a lot of things I didn't have to Mm -hmm. be in charge of before. Thankfully, I'd already been auditioning from home, you know, so I Mm -hmm. knew a couple things, but I had my husband doing a lot of that for me because I was focused on so many different things. I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't need, I don't need to like take in all this technical because the deadlines were a little bit more flexible and mm-hmm. my husband could come home and I'd be like, can you fix this? Do that, that, blah, blah, blah. I give him instructions and he'd do it. And then I'd send it up. So, um, I had to learn slowly to do all of that myself. And I waited a while. I let him do everything for a while because <laughs> I was just like so overwhelmed by making sure that I was capable to record in every different way in which people were asking me. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, um, there were there are so many different ways that I work. Um, and yesterday I had two records when I, with an hour between. Sometimes I can do a half hour in between. That's pushing it. I wouldn't mm. recommend that. Because I could, when I was in Manhattan, if I had a studio that was on like 44th Street and then the other one was on 39th, mm-hmm. I could schedule them a half hour apart and like speed walk to the next studio and be like, hi, everybody, go on in. And I'd still have time to use the restroom, Mm -hmm. get myself to be grounded, you know, but also with animation, it's okay if you have like unsteady breath, I'll call it. Um, Not with commercials. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you want to stay there, get there early, rest your breath because you don't want to be like, sprint PCS. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) this doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, I, I warned you, I'm like super tangenty. But um, so my home studio, I work in Source Connect. Mm-hmm. I work in Source Connect and Zoom Combo. I work in um, IPDTL. I work in Connection Open. I work in Session Link Pro. I'm going to be working in Clean Feed. Um, I work with uh, Session Link Pro and Source Connect. I work with Zoom and Source Connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've worked like over 15 different ways. Oof. And I sometimes I have the script on the monitor. Sometimes I have the script on an iPad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have um, the camera, you know, on this device for this thing. And, you know, and my daughter is working from home too. So mm-hmm. our studio is in double use. Um, usually not the same hours, mm-hmm. thankfully, <laughs> but um, I'm like a booking talent coordinator on top mm-hmm. of all these other things. And I'm a technician now. Um, so it was a lot because I was in a lot of projects and they mm-hmm. could not stop. You know, mm-hmm. some people got their, stuff together earlier than others. Um, 
So it was nice to not be slammed all of a sudden. Hi, you're working these five different ways with these five different clients now. You know, (laughs) I had a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but it was, it was stressful. I had like more anxiousness than I would normally have because Mm -hmm. normally I am just in charge of acting. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, it's, you really, I've always loved my engineers. I've always thanked them. Um, you know, brought them gifts, uh, you know, during, you know, the Christmas holidays said, I love you, hug them. Thank you so much. I love the work that you do. God, you make me look good. You make me sound good. Thank you. But this even more so has made me appreciate them even more. And they're still on the line. Like most of the, Mm -hmm. everything I do, they're still taking my audio in. Like I have to control my gain. Mm-hmm. But they are telling me to control it. Can nice. you bump it down a little bit? Sometimes I'll be like, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably going to need to adjust my gain. Mm-hmm. Some people don't mind me like kind of taking initiative and saying, I think this line's going to be really loud. I think we need to turn it down. But then I have other people who are just like, okay, let's take the gain down a little bit. All right, let's take it up. And they're receiving my audio at the same time that I'm giving it to them. And they get to manipulate it. They get to see the waveform. Mm. So they can see... At least I don't, I'm not in charge of that. Like that's, that's like a, whew, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone's checking that it's coming out good. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a huge challenge, you know, and, and we, I moved, my family moved during that time. We moved, mm. you know, at the, um, I think it was the end of March. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. I did as well, yeah. Oh, did you? Oh my God. Yeah. And I had to set up, <laughs> the first thing I did, the first thing I did was set up my home studio. Yeah, because I'm sure you had to get back to work very quickly. Yeah, (laughs) still, yeah, but you know. I was like, oh, this, yeah, I was like, there's, you can't lose a week. Mm -hmm. I think I lost maybe a day, two days. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm still recording probably every day I'm in the studio. So seven days a week, auditioning or acting, but acting probably four or five days a week, auditioning Mm -hmm. seven days a week, so... Well, you are a true champ. You, you are, I will say your hustle and still (laughs) your ability to make time for family is like truly something that I always marvel at. And I strive to, as an artist and a freelancer, have that balance, but also the amazing work ethic that you have. You're just. We should do like a clubhouse about that because I I want to do one about balancing family or, you know, having children or balancing life with um the the hustle of voiceover because it's something that whoo it's a challenge (laughs) but you have to be willing to Mm -hmm. do it you know you 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 can't miss out on either and but i this is something that i tell people a lot this is a new mantra of mine you can't have it all Mm -hmm. but you can have a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of things you'll never have it all you won't it's unattainable because there's only 24 hours in a day. Right. You know, but you can you can have a lot of a lot of things, but you need to know understand how to prioritize and you need to know how to say no sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. That's a big lesson that I had is. to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I can't think of a better note to end on than that, but you've got some really fun things coming up that I would love for you to pitch for the audience so they know where to come find you if they already don't know where to find you online. Oh gosh, yeah. So I don't, uh, uh, let me see. Well, I don't know if everyone knows that I'm uh, voiced Devos in World of Warcraft, uh, World mm-hmm. of Warcraft's Shadowlands and Afterlives, mm-hmm. which was... Um, so amazing. Uh, I loved working on that. Um, so no, I just, a, a, I've been doing a lot of cameos on a bunch of things. Um, number 24, uh, Akudama Drive, um, recently did, um, with Sound Cadence Studios, I played Veronica and Arte. That was so much fun. I love that character so much. Um, that was one of those instances where you give one read. Oh, wow. Like okay. I literally, I just, did it and I went, yeah, that's it. I don't need to do it again. I, I literally, that. and then I sent it. And sometimes, sometimes that's what you need to do. Just connect mm-hmm. once. 
Um, that was an instance of uh, me feeling the character deeply and then them listening and going, oh, she felt the character deeply. <laughs> you know, um, the, the most exciting thing I would say that's like, I don't know if I can say that, but one of the most exciting things that's going to be coming out is uh, Signa Bauman's um, My Love Affair with Marriage. Um, mm-hmm. She is an amazing independent animator that has won tons of awards. She's been in so many festivals. She's Latvian. Her point of view is crazy amazing. It's so unique, you guys. I'm a fan of hers. Like, I saw rocks in my pockets and just about flipped out. I was like, (laughs) I've never seen anything like this. I've Mm -hmm. never seen any point of view literally anywhere near like this in in my career which is always amazing to work with someone who has such a unique perspective because it's dark and deep and there's a lot of sensuality to a lot of what Mm -hmm. she does, but there's also a lot of danger and like darkness, Mm. but also so much humor at the same time. Anyway, I love, I love her. Um, And I play Alita. Um, It's a small character, but uh, she sings and um, I was so excited to be offered that role. And Matthew Modine from Stranger Things is in it. Mm-hmm. Emma Kenny and Cameron Monaghan from Shameless are in it as well. Um, and that'll be coming out sometime this year. I'm not really sure. But you can, like, check her out on Instagram. And you can see how the show's coming along. She's really good at posting updates and stuff. I don't know how she finds the time because she is she is animating. Like, it's not digital. Like, oh, wow. No, she's amazing. She oh. builds sets. They build sets, um, paper mache. It's the stunning. The art, the the craftsmanship in this piece is just beautiful. I'm looking at the um, page right now, and I cannot wait to see this. It yes, looks beautiful. I, I'm so excited. I'm so, she usually is one of the main characters in her things. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first time she's not voicing. So, like, I'm gonna miss that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be like, where's Signa? You know what I mean? But um, anyway, um, she chose not to 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 voice the main character this time, but. Um, also I'm going to be doing GalaxyCon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, Dan Green is going to be there. Uh, Eric Stewart's going to be there. Um, Darren Dunstan's going to be there. Tara Sands is going to be there. And Wayne Grayson's going to be there. Um, February 19th. The, the panel is free. So if y'all just want to check out the panel, it's at six o'clock, I think six o'clock EST on the 19th. And then, then they have, you know, you have the opportunity to, to get autographs or whatever, if you want them or one-on-one video chats, they're, they're selling. Um, and what was the third thing? Anyway, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to like hang out and talk to all of them in so long that, you know, we always just enjoy being with each other and that you can find the link to that on my Instagram. Uh, there's a link right at the bottom and I'm Erica Schroeder VA um, and also you can find me on Clubhouse just as uh, Erica Schroeder. So that's where you can find me. I have a Facebook fan page too, so you can find me on there. Just my name. Um, but yeah, so that's how we can connect. Hi, I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I'm the host of CPOV Autographs at CertainPOV.com. It is a bi-weekly interview series where I interview folks from all over the arts, from writers to comedians to magicians to musicians, even actors, historians, podcasters, pretty much anyone who's willing to chat with me for a little bit. If you like interesting conversations with even more interesting people, go to CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, music is life and life is good. Thank you all so much for listening today to Serial Killer Radio Hour from your friends at Saturday Morning Confidential. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this as much as I had recording it with Erica. She is such a delight. Now, we are right in the middle of our Pokemon 25 anniversary event, so make sure you're checking out everybody at Another Pass Podcast. Let's rewatch Fun and Games with Matt and Jeff. We have so much more for you all to listen to, and I can't wait for you all to hear every episode. So join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.